following was recorded at the Seeking Peace Story Show, August 10th, 2017, at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Jim Wickman has worn a great many hats during his life, among them farmer, student, teacher, world traveler, mental health worker, dog walker, deli worker, salesman, caretaker, union activist, and protester. He enjoys quiet sports like canoeing, hiking, riding bike, snowshoeing, and cross-country skiing. He has a curious mind and is frequently seen examining plants, insects, and other assorted critters or watching the sky both day and night. As a jack-of-all-trades but master of none, he's an amateur farmer, electrician, carpenter, and can often be found walking the aisles of local hardware stores. He likes to think of himself as a quiet man with a lot to say. Blue Jay by Jim Wickman. I grew up the middle child of seven on a small farm in south central Minnesota. It was a fairly idyllic childhood, and my memories of those years blend together into a pleasant, warm feeling. I was a pretty typical farm kid, curious, respectful, and quiet. My brothers and I spent our days playing and fighting and exploring, but I was also stubborn to a fault and, frankly, more than a little hot-tempered. My mother often says that I had a long fuse, but when I blew, watch out. My youngest brother likes to tell people that he could run faster scared than I could mad. <laughs> I believe it was my temper that led to an incident that still stirs up the same feelings of regret and shame that I felt at the time it happened. It was a pleasant summer day when I was 10. I was enjoying the outdoors by myself, which was a rare event having three younger brothers. The exact details of what I was doing escaped me and are probably not important, but whatever I was doing led me to our machine shed, a simple 90-foot-long corrugated steel pole shed with wide doors and open rafters. As I entered, I startled a blue jay, which had been sitting on a rafter, causing it to fly to the back of the shed. While blue jays were common on our farm, and it was not uncommon to have sparrows or an occasional pigeon in the building, a blue jay inside was something new, and the opportunity to see one up close was something I couldn't pass up. I quickly pulled the door shut to cut off its escape route and wound my way through a maze of tractors and machinery to the back of the shed. In my mind, I assumed the bird would simply sit still and let me get close enough for a good look. Of course, this was a wild bird and not at all interested in being observed at such close range, so it simply flew over my head back to the other end of the shed. Foiled in my first attempt, but still believing my plan would work, I turned and followed. I'm sure it doesn't come as a surprise that as I got close again, the jay once more flew over my head to the back of the shed. This scene repeated itself several times before I realized my plan wasn't working. Do the words stubborn to a fault ring a bell? At this point, I was pretty frustrated and looked around for a way to keep the bird from flying past me. I quickly found what I thought was the answer, a 10-foot length of bamboo that my father kept on hand in case we'd ever need a 10-foot length of bamboo. <laughs> in my eyes, the need had finally arisen. 
My new plan was that when the bird flew, I would simply wave the stick in front of it. Not being able to get past me, it would have to sit there and let me look at it. A great, a great idea in the mind of a 10-year-old, perhaps, but in practice it obviously didn't pan out as I'd hoped. A bird, used to flying through the trees, had no problem dodging a thin bamboo pole. After several more failed attempts, my frustration was near the boiling point. Why wouldn't this stupid bird just sit still? All I wanted to do was look at it. I wasn't going to hurt it. In hindsight, there is no doubt in my mind that the bird was by now exhausted and terrified and just trying to get away. But in my growing anger, there was no empathy or compassion. It was all about me and what I wanted. So even though I don't recall making a conscious choice, in that moment, in a blind rage, I'm sure it was a short, easy step from waving the pole in front of the jay to swinging the pole at it. Eventually, or perhaps I should say inevitably, one of my swings connected, and then another, and another, until finally it lay in the dust at my feet, dead, its neck broken. I slowly calmed down and came to my senses. Picking it up, I finally got that close-up look I had wanted so badly. But as I held the limp body, the realization of what I had done hit me. I was holding what had been, just moments earlier, a beautiful living creature whose only crime had been being in the wrong place at the wrong time. To say I felt, to say I felt incredibly ashamed of myself doesn't begin to describe what I was feeling. I doubt that my 10-year-old mind could have put words to it, but I knew what I had done was beyond wrong. It was cruel and brutal and inhumane. Suddenly, I was afraid that someone would walk in and see what I had done, and I would have to try to explain myself. I'm sure I would have added to my shame by lying about how I came to be holding this blue jay. But no one came in, and in order to hide what I'd done from everyone, including myself, I tossed the bird's body over a fence into some tall weeds. I had no thoughts of giving it a dignified burial. I just wanted to be rid of it. But I remember walking away, feeling as if I had added insult to injury with this crude method of ridding myself of its presence. And I never told anyone about what I did that day. It's been nearly 50 years since I killed that blue jay. And my life has taken many, many twists and turns. I've traveled far and lived in many different places. I've waded in three different oceans and straddled the equator. It took a lot of years and a lot of miles, but I eventually forgave that 10-year-old boy for his actions that summer day long ago. Even so, I often think of that blue jay. Its body may have ended up in the weeds, but its ghost still sits on my shoulder. The Seeking Peace Story Show was produced by Riley Wirth and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. To hear more, check out our Facebook page and the Story Show podcast. Our intro and outro music was composed by Jasper Corey Flatto.